Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by DraftKings 2020 or 2021. It's the season of 2021. It's still 2020. So 2020, Sanderson Farms, DraftKings picks, preview, maybe some bets towards the end. Maybe we'll even touch on the Scottish Open because that field is very strong this week. Better field-wise, at least strength, than what we're seeing at the CC of Jackson down in Mississippi. So, Scottish Open, one of my favorite tournaments of the year. I don't think NBC is uh, putting the full broadcast on <laughs> this time around, because it's not the week before the Open Championship. But hey, you can tune into Golf Channel, catch some great Euro action, and we're on the go. Joining me on the line from ftndaily.com. He was on the show two weeks ago for the Safeway, or was that three weeks ago now, because I took the week off. Uh, Scholar, what's going on, man? <laughs> yeah, appreciate you having me back. You know, it's these special fields you seem to give me a call on. So looking forward to it. I'm glad we're going to talk Scottish Open because you're right. that That's a spectacular field over there. But um, this swing season, again, I think this is to the point you've talked in years past. This is where the money's to be made in the stats. And hopefully we can find some more of those gems this week. Well, that's really the issue right now. If everyone wants to go look up the stats and check out ownership projections and get all the tools, go to fantasynational.com, fantasy national.com slash mayo will get you 20% off so I highly recommend you go do that because Skylar's right this is the time of year generally when we make the most money when books aren't paying attention when people aren't paying attention and the stats can really pave the way like this was a Munoz special the fantasy national simulator for like five straight weeks if you were inside the top five on the simulator you won the event that week the problem now is that these fields are a bit stronger than they have ever been during the swing season and B there's a lot of like corn fairy guys that are coming up and they're like really good and it's really hard to parse their stats as it pertains to the PGA tour. You can mix in corn fairy data, but what is that really telling you? Yeah, it's, I mean, we talked a little bit, what would have been, yeah, three weeks ago when Zalatoris was somebody we were highlighting in advance of the U S open. Clearly he's had a, uh, quite the rise over the last few weeks, getting back into this event after another top 10 finish. Um, but it's just, arguably getting to get the talent with him. And then who's now third on the corn fairy list, Davis Riley, who we'll probably talk about later. It's, is this a similar type of playing field they're used to? These guys can take advantage of sponsor exemptions once again, because they've pretty much elevated them so far beyond, um, where they need to be to get their tour card with this weird, wacky super season. Um, so I think we might see them even more often just trying to make a run at that special temporary membership, which all Zalatoris now needs is a like a sixth place finish, I think this week, and he's locked up for the season. So I'm viewing him at the price he should be. I, I think he's he's there with those guys. It's just, it's just a weird week when we look at some of these pricing and who jumped up, who got uh, pushed down for no reason. Um, and then, you know, a withdrawal with Louie at the top, like it makes things a little bit in intriguing so the only bet that i've made so far this week was davis riley i caught it at 150 to 1 when it first opened it just seemed like a really big odd like if zalatoris is going to be 22 to 1 or 18 to 1 in some places uh when i think about davis riley it's like these guys i mean riley's probably not as good as zalatoris but they're like closer than that 
Yeah. Oh, I completely agree. And he wins out of nowhere. You know, he'll go miscut, miscut, and then follow it up with, you know, elite performance. I mean, someone also a Canadian who I wish would maybe get some uh, sponsor exemptions. Coming up Taylor Pendrith. Yes. <laughs> he finished what? 22nd or 23rd at the U S open finished four or second for the fourth time last week on the corn Ferry tour. So hopefully we see him because that dude bombs it off the tee. Um, he might be one of, you know, if we think two years from now, one of the, if not the best Canadian golfer out there. Uh, Graham Dillette shot a 64 in his true, second round true. in Putacana. So once Graham is healthy, Graham is the answer to that question. He's the good Fair. Corey Connors. That was so good to see though, him coming out. I mean, I can't believe he still missed the cut going eight under, but, um, you know, it was good for him to come back a little bit finally. Yeah. He's just been suffering through those injuries. So hopefully he's feeling good. He can develop some consistency. He was one of my favorite DraftKings players ever because yep. he was sort of like Coke rack in a weird way where it's like, oh, it's, it's this weird field where the winning score is going to be seven under and all the good players are out there. Like, oh, and there's Graham Dillette just randomly at three under. <laughs> yep. Yep. Amen. That was good to see him. Hopefully he continues that health. So let's talk about the course. CC of Jackson down in Mississippi. It is over 7,400 yards to par 72, so you get your full complement of par fives. I was trying to think of crossover courses for this place. Obviously, Munoz is the defending champion. We've seen Ryan Armour win, Peter Malnati, Nick Taylor, Cameron Champ in his glorious putting performance. I guess he's now done it twice in his career where he gains almost 10 strokes on the field putting and he used one both times. Uh, this was one of those locations where he did that and it looked like he would never lose again. Everyone bet him for the Masters, forgetting that at the time, if you won this event, you didn't get into the Masters and he didn't get into the Masters. If you win this year, you do get into the Masters. So I think that's why we're seeing a lot of some names pop up here in the, the prize purses up as well. But corollary courses, like just looking at the players who've won here, who've succeeded here in the past, obviously it's Bermuda Greens. It's a pretty long course, but we've seen shorter hitters play well here. It really feels like Sedgefield CC, the Wyndham Championship, is like the ultimate crossover for this place. Yeah, it's, it's weird because you see the winners, like you said, Malnati and Ryan Armour, who are not who couldn't be more opposite than like a Cody Gribble and Cameron champ in that sense. But I, I see the crossover leaderboards that we do see at the Wyndham. I agree with that. Um, but like it's, I can't even target a, a straight demographic. I think of players who I want to, because we see these leaderboards kind of mixed throughout the years of who I'd want to be. So I have struggled on finding an exact comp. Um, Cause I think distance matters in some sense. I would like it to elevate guys, but that obviously doesn't show at the Wyndham too. So for me, I I'm not diving in specifically to another course. I would think things that champ has done well, I don't hate at, but then you you have the armor angle too. It's just a, it's just a good mix up here. Pretty much run hot with a putter and you'll find your way up there. If your approach game's dialed into. Yeah, it does seem like it's irons and it's putting. Uh, if you can gain off the tee, that's fantastic. You gain around the green, that's fantastic. But everyone hits green regulations here. It actually reminds me of the Sony open in that way, where the driving yeah. accuracy percentage for the field is like 50%, but it doesn't matter because yeah. the rough's not long. So everyone hits greens and regulation anyway. So I think you want to dial in your iron specialists, the guys that are really firing up right now and just hope they can make some putts that that's one of these tournaments <laughs> i don't i don't hate last week as a comp even like to that sense where it's easier i mean fairways are a little bit 
lower percentage here, but the arena regulation is just as high. They said there's going to be kind of shaved off around the greens again, kind of like it was last week a little bit. So for me, I, I don't hate even looking guys that played well T to green without the strokes gain stats that we had, maybe some GIR leaders. Um, so I don't mind looking at Corrales because it probably is just, again, you, you play your second shot and you hope you run hot with the putter. It's tough though, because like if you really need to dig in at a course where there is no strokes gained at Corrales, you see someone like Mackenzie Hughes, who ends up inside the top five. I know he's not in the field this week, but it'd be like, oh man, Mackenzie Hughes, you got to play him. And maybe you do because he's essentially speed from 2016 at this point, where I think he had three chip-ins in one round. He made like five putts from beyond 40 feet. Like the fuck is going on with this guy? It's unbelievable. I mean, you and Jeff mentioned it like, you know, six, six weeks ago that every time they cut to Hughes, you know, he's making a bomb and it's literally every week. Um, and he like last week was a course where it seems like, and I guess this week too, where it would be important for that to, to happen again, because if you're going to get there, take advantage of the opportunities that you have when you need to shoot 20 under to win. So, so that's ultimately where I'm going to struggle in a sense of, of targeting guys who if they're not going to be as popular, it's probably because they don't run as hot with the putter. We could get into like a Ben Ann conversation at 10 K, you know, he's not somebody who you'd think at a, at a putting contest would be there, but then the ownership following into like a Sam Burns or a doc Redmond, is going to be sky high that these weeks feel like you need to get contrarian, but statistically the guys that are chalk line up so, so well that you have to be smart about how you're going to build if you're going to use them. So the one thing about this course that kind of, is kind of a monkey wrench and it's hard to really track the putting on it because putting you know is up and down as it stands anyway but these greens are super fast or at least they historically have played way faster than your average pga tour green so i went and looked up per fantasy national the best putters i'll shrink this down to past 24 rounds so your best putters on fast or lightning fast greens uh, so well above average over the past 24 rounds that are in the field right now you got keith mitchell denny mccarthy greg chalmers patrick rogers jt poston Wyndham clark bronson burgoon scott harrington and sam burns obviously someone like denny mccarthy is always going to be somewhere up near the top you just sort by fast he's up there or just extended a little bit but his putter has been off which is just strange for him yeah, it felt like I think when we talked the first time we we chatted some Denny and it, it's I I mean if he was to combine his long term putting with those approach spikes that he had he could blitz a field it just it seems that that's not going to be something that we can you know cure up when it's going to happen so I, I just don't know with him I mean the the crazy part is we we thought he or at least I pretended that he had such good approach numbers he only has one top 10 finish and that was at the Wyndham I guess he did at the RSM late last year but I don't know with him I, I just I guess overall from a build strategy I I like attacking maybe even multiple guys in the 10k range to start off some lineups and, and avoid the nines where it's going to get super chalky but I don't know if I'm overthinking it avoiding someone who came up on your list right there who's going to be probably the highest on player of the week in Sam Burns. Let's jump into the top of the pricing. Uh, Scotty Scheffler back from his positive test from COVID-19 which had him out of the US Open. He's 10 or 11,400. Louis would have been second, but he withdrew from this field. So you have Scheffler at 11 to 1 in the betting market. Then you have 
him at the only player above 11,000. Then you have Sungjae, Will Zalatoros, and Byun-Hun Ahn at an even $10,000. Now, you mentioned Zalatoros that he probably should be priced up here, but I can't figure out if he's going to be super-duper popular or who's going to be popular from up here, but I can see no one using Ben Ann, I guess is where I would go from the 10,000, so give me Ben Ann. <laughs> Yeah, that's a consensus I think we can come to that there's no way people are going to play him at 10K, especially when we get into some chalk underneath him. I don't know what people think of Zalatoris. I I have some worries about like his endurance. Clearly, he's been on an unbelievable stretch right now. And then I was worried again. He didn't play well for three rounds, made the cut on the number, and then he shoots the round of the day when he needs to on Sunday. So that showed that life once again that I think 10-2 um, is interesting, but... Man, Sungjae and Scheffler feel like there shouldn't be $900 between them, especially when Sungjae's recent approach game has popped again. So he'd be my one, I believe, up here. And we're on Bermuda. It's not a par 70, but it always tends to play a bit better on Bermuda. If we talk about the Wyndham, that's kind of like the last time he spiked, uh, other than a few good rounds at Eastlake, which again is another short Bermuda course, much more difficult than CC of Jackson, but all in the same realm. I mean, he finished what? Lost in a playoff last year. Is that what happened here to Munoz? Yes, it would have been. Yeah, he finished second to him. I believe that would have been. Where did they come in score-wise? It would have been, yeah, minus 18, lost in the playoff. Yep. So that's tough from his end, but... Like, yeah, I, I think this is just a week to really just fade the chalk and hope it doesn't hit. And then all of a sudden you're looking really good because we go down to the nines and it's Chalk City. You have Munoz at 9-9, who I actually don't think people are going to play. Uh, per usual, the Fantasy National Simulator loves him as it did at this course last year and he won. So that was nice. But then you have Sam Burns and Doc Redman, who everyone in the world is going to be using. Then Zach Johnson, Adam Long, Brian Harmon, Hot Fire, Dylan Fratelli. Uh, who was actually on a nice run himself? Uh, is ninety three hundred bucks. Corey Connors weighed down in price after missing the cut in Putacana last week. Ninety two. Shez Revi ninety one. Luke List nine thousand. So here's the thing: you can play Burns, you can play Redmond. That's fine. You can play Bjorn Hanan or Sung J M. What if I just started my lineups with Fratelli as my highest owned guy or my highest price guy at ninety three hundred bucks and just try to jam in like four or five of these guys from the 8k to 9k range because i don't see a huge discrepancy in overall talent between a lot of these guys that that's the thing where ownership congregates for reason of the way we're attacking the course and redmond and, and burns statistically fit that but when they're going to be 30 25 percent you know you're at 50 percent combined ownership between those two of them in a four rounds of variance I, I agree talent levels aren't that that much different than than guys like fratelli connor's list i mean you have stenson down there when we start off the 8 9k or 8.9 that we'll talk about but i think especially if you're limiting your lineups this week you have to find a way to um, get off the chalk uh, on those two. They're the most popular bets. They're the most popular plays. And I think there's a way to do it either. Maybe even going two 10 Ks. If you want to piggyback like Zal Taurus and Sungjae even and avoid that range, or you hammer a little bit lower than because I have no problem with Luke list. Who's coming off a good week. Yeah. Uh, like in, I'm just looking at the statistical model right now. Like Fertelli rates out fifth in this field for me of anyone. I just don't think that people are going to use him at all. And he played well at this event last year. Uh, Connors kind of fits it. Just can these guys putt is really what it comes down to. If, if this is a course where you need to be making your 10 footers, when you have list, when you have Connors and these type of guys, is this just the week that they make the putts? Cause if they make the putts they are going to win. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I kind of have some interest in somebody who we know is a pretty solid putter there as 9,400. Brian Harmon is a really good putter. He sneakily made that cut. I think he made like a 20 footer at the last the US Open to play the weekend, finished top 40 after he was top 12 in back to back events. He can run hot with that putter and he's more um, Malnati armor than the champ type, obviously, but he's going to get overlooked. And then Adam long put up a ton of birdies last week. I think he was well into the triple digits on DraftKings points. Um, I'm intrigued at going back to him. Are you worried about his Sunday at all? And that he ran so hot Friday and Saturday. Yeah. I mean, it's yes, yes, I do. <laughs> but is, is it worry? Is it worried enough to take 20% ownership discount on somebody who he, he beat last week in Sam Burns, you know, he finished 13th at the U S open sneakily. Adam long did. Um, so I just think on a, on a course like that, where you can run hot with the putter, he's kind of light version of that where 13th U S open. So that was, that was a really, really strong finish. It's arguably his best finish outside of the win. You know, I think it depends on how you want to build. I know Raza always talks about like when you stack players, maybe you don't stack tee times, you stack skill sets. And it seems like these guys in the middle, Zach Johnson, Adam Long, Brian Harmon would fit that Malnati and Ryan Armour type mold that if you want to pair those types of players together where the level right below them is sort of not necessarily like the bomber tier but the ball striking tier when it comes down to it with Fratelli Connors and list like hell you could throw Shez Reeve into that uh higher one as well if you really want yep. to go that way but they're kind of accuracy irons putting which can play here if you're making your putts but it can play the other way too but these guys are typically better putters at the same time like it's really tough for me to figure out I think I'm just going to go with the bomb and gadge team they're cheaper that's the way my first thought is too is, is attack it with distance and then get hot with the guys like, like champ did. But I think there has been some rain in the area that like when Malnati won, there was like quote that he just turned into a wedge fest that he, you know, arguably was the best player when, when you got to that short range and everybody was hitting, you know, into greens that were holding. So helping those shorter guys. So if that rain picks up th that does, and I like Raza's style where it is, you know, if that way is going to play out and you play six guys in that strategy, even, you know, if you think it's a contrarian look, you know, a couple lineups that way puts you, you know, way different than what the field would be. So if it does turn into a wedge fest, that would really benefit like the Zach Johnsons of the world. Yep. Johnson, Harmon. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah. Chez, like those three kind of go along in that, that, that sample, I would say. Yeah. Just looking from 100 to 125 and 125 to 150. Um, like Malnati actually pops up from 125 to 150. He's third over okay. the past three months. Uh, that's 12 rounds of accounted data from him. But it's Siwoo, Bud Colley, Malnati, Tringali, Keegan, Grio, Scheffler, Denny McCarthy, Wes Bryan, and Brennan Grace. That's what you're looking at from 125 to 150. Mm -hmm. And then if you go from 100 to 125, it's Walker, Potter. Potter's like the king of the wedge fest uh, in scoring fest, if we can get down to that. Nick Taylor, yep. Brian Stewart, Aaron Wise, C.T. Pan, Duffner, Grio. Grio just pops everywhere, but like, does anyone <laughs> trust him to make a putt? Man, he, he made a run at that last week, too. I think he was solo lead early on Saturday and then just fell apart. And couldn't um, make a putt. But <laughs> no, that's what it was. He, he was so high in greens regulation, couldn't make a putt once again. So, no. Like, it's hard when you say, I'm going to play Corey Connors and Emiliano Grillo at a putting contest. That's difficult to stomach. However, I mean, Connors did lose to champ that, that year. He finished second um, two years ago. And I believe Ann was third that year, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think Ann was third 
Let's see. Anne was third last year to Sungjae. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good times. So yeah, there's a Korean connection. So we're just betting Siwoo. Perfect. <laughs> we solved it. Well, that's the thing. I mean, we talked about some of these price jumps. So Connors goes from the most expensive or second most expensive last week down to 9,200. Siwoo was the favorite last time me and you talked. Now he's down to 8,400. I, I don't understand some of the discrepancies in a field strength that it's not that much different than what we've seen at the Corrales and Safeway. No, and Siwoo, uh, although he lost on approach at Safeway, he lost on approach at the U.S. Open and missed the cut. Like if we talk about the places where he's won in his career, Wyndham, Bermuda, yep, there it is, Players Championship, yep. Bermuda. Like this seems like it would be a really good course for him. Yeah, no, I, I really, really like Siwoo, eighty four hundred. Um, yeah, when he was getting you know near eleven k, that's a different ball game. But eighty four hundred, and I don't even know if he's going to be the most of popular either. Uh, maybe float around ten percent ish. But yeah, I, I'm in on that that strategy of tacking Siwoo. Now, can you go to uh, our our favorite that we talked last time, Sergio, and just this unbelievable tee degree game he keeps having at a, at another birdie fest? I don't know. So this entire eight k range really confuses me because when we were talking off air, like I want to use Stenson so badly at 8900 bucks he wasn't he was 21st last week it's not like he was bad and then now all of a sudden his odds have dropped like 50 or 55 or 60 bud collie if it turns into a wedge fest maybe it's finally his time probably pass on him pat perez was actually pretty good last week an excellent putter on really fast greens like that's why i think i'm good with fading the very high end of the board and if scheffler zalatoros goes away and wins it you know i'm gonna lose i'm probably gonna lose anyway so i think i'd rather go with this strategy of jamming in like four of these guys because there are guys in the six thousands like i feel pretty good about yeah, that's, yeah, I mean, if you think Stenson, he's just, um, like last week I went full circle on it. I started with before odds were released and prices were coming out, you would have thought he would have headlined the field. You know, you would have expected him to be 10K plus. He came in at a cheaper price and then you would have expected a cheaper price. He gets higher ownership. Well, that wasn't true either. He ended up being low, low price, low owned comes off a decent week and gets lower price and is not going to draw an ownership. I'm right there with you. I think he's obviously the most accomplished golfer in this field. I think if we talk about it, so 8,900 for him seems like a, a steal. What do we do with Cam Davis? The stats tell me play as much Cam Davis as I possibly can, but everyone's playing Cam Davis at 8,100 bucks. Yeah. And, and here we are saying once again, fade the chalk. I mean, what he, what it would have been the Northern trust, I think was when he had that, that blitz through the first 36 holes. I mean, he makes a ton of birdies. We know that is a good putter, but he is higher variance in that sense where before his stretch of four consecutive top 35s, it was four consecutive missed cuts. Um, so I think again, in this style of field, it's worth mixing in similar talents at fractions of ownership. So I would take a standoff of Cam Davis as well when he's getting into the eight Ks here. So for me in the eights, I like Stenson. I'll probably pass on Grio. I'll go with Perez and see Woo, Kim. The really interesting guy that no one's using is Carlos Ortiz, who just kind of rips up this course. Yeah, Ortiz is always like a favorite when he's like 6,600, you know, instead of like 8,300. Um, when's his last like good finish? I'm trying to see recently. BMW is 25th. Safeway, he okay. was 46th. He'd missed three cuts before that, but one was at the Northern Trust, one was at the PGA Championship. Like, it I feels like you just kind of gamble on Carlos yeah. Ortiz and hope it comes along. 
I think I'd prefer just going right off to Patrick Rogers. If Ugh. somebody who I know it's, it's getting gross, but I mean, he was really, really good last week um, after he had literally died with his approaches um, from the window, Northern trust and Safeway. But last week he found a little bit can run hot with the putter good off the tee. Um, I, I like Rogers overall. I think he was top uh, five in greens and regulation last week, which is normally not his style for the approach game. Of course, no strokes gain stats. He could have been hitting, you know, close to the fringes, but that was his best greens and regulation we've seen out of him in quite some time. So my Ortiz or your Ortiz is my Rogers. For this yeah. Season. And even my Ortiz might just be Zhang. Uh, I think a lot of people okay. will not use Zhang because he kind of melted down on Sunday when a lot of people had him outright bets on him, DraftKings lineups on him. And that just might push people away from him at an $8,000 price tag. It's still pretty good. And he has two consecutive yeah. top 15s. Yeah, no, I have, I have no problems with Zhang either at a, at a, at a pretty decent price there. Uh, so seven K's, I really got no one that sticks out to me as, oh, we got to play that guy. There, there's no one. Maybe Snedeker. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we talked a little offline, too. I'm shocked at the ownership coming in on Gooch. I would have thought he fit well. I think he's got like a 14th or when what's his best finish here? Let's see. Because his, his recent results approach-wise are still okay. Yeah, he's got a 14th and a 30th here coming off a miscut in a 65th. But the style of stats clearly is the same thing that everyone is going with and he's going to come in at double digits, which scares me. I'll probably bet on, on Gooch. Um, I, I mean, Tom Lewis had that second place at the WGC and then didn't show up for the next weeks following that. I, I'd assume maybe that's the anomaly for it. I don't know. He's got maybe the most talent in the high sevens, but he's scary too. Yeah. You could just go with Denny and just say like, fuck it. Maybe he just runs out with the yeah. butter and this is finally his week. Like, I don't like playing that game, but I've not played Denny McCarthy so many times. Like, oh, he's eighth. Great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't believe we're coming to Stu Manji off of his win. Um, 7,600. Yeah. What about, yeah, I think we're just throwing, I, oh, someone I did mention, I know Knox has shown some life finally for the last two weeks. I think he was a first round leader at the Safeway, gained an approach, three straight events right now. I think he's better um, when it gets to, uh, he's not great, but Bermuda has been some of his spike weeks. Um, he's not a good putter overall, but um, I think Knox has found a little bit of life over the last uh, two tournaments. Just looking in the 7K range right now where the ownership is congregating, Cameron Tringali is shaping up to be a very popular pick along with Gooch, both in the double digits. Then at the top, you have Denny McCarthy and Charlie Hoffman. Those seem to be the only four guys right now uh, with Cameron Percy kind of inching up there at $7,200 that might crack double digits in the sevens. It does feel like people are either going kind of balanced with one scrub or two guys above 10,000 and four scrubs. Yeah. Yeah. So your, your point of hammering that, that low nine and, and eights could make a lot of sense. I'm confused that why Christopher Ventura after making the cut is now 7,200 when he was 9,200 last week, like that feels no reason. Cause he was so popular last week and he just, he made the cut, but he didn't do anything. I, I yeah. just, that sort of recency bias on it. Snedeker, I can't wrap my mind around. The simulator loves him this week, and I can't figure out why. 
I but, mean, I guess he look, fits that mold of like the Chaz Harmon types, right? And think about the places where he's won. He's won at Wyndham. He's won yep. or he's lost in a playoff at the Sony Open, like places where driver doesn't mean all that much. And it just becomes like, oh, are your wedges and putter hot? Well, you can win. That That, that is Brant Snedeker. Yeah. And he's by far best short game in that seven Ks, you know, top 10 short game long term in this field. Um, yeah, I guess I could, I could wrap my head on a style lineup fitting into him. Um, everyone's favorite Will Gordon last week who <laughs> cracked the 30% mark has now received a price decrease. Does anyone go back? I, like I said, I kind of like last week's course setup is just a principle that if everyone's jumping off after being 30%, is it something where you get back on? Cause he was bad. Yeah, I wasn't on him last week. Like he was last week, he was just a pure ownership fade for me. I was like, and it, I did not expect him to be above thirty percent. I thought he'd be like right around twenty percent. I was like, what's really the difference between Will Gordon and the rest of these guys? Nothing. But I do see that the talent is there. I just don't. Do you think people will go back to Will Gordon? No, I I don't think so. I mean, they he was like. I mean, I guess maybe I think I don't think he cracked ten. He'd probably be like five to eight ish. But um you shouldn't view him that much differently based off of two rounds. He, he was just really, really bad with the putter. You know, I think he four putted one of his like opening holes and then it was almost over before it started. But um, if you're betting on Gordon's talent, then you should, you know, be, you know, licking your lips going after this week and ready to, to go back into the well, because everyone's going to jump off. So yeah, that's kind of it for me in the seven Ks. Like he wanted to like go the Keegan route, Swafford coming off the win. Who knows? Like it's it's really tough for me to figure. Let's talk about the sixes because I think this is where a lot of people are going to end up going. Uh, just with the different types of build, the guys that I have started right now, I really like Duffner this week. Duffner just keeps making cuts. Uh, Safeway was weird because it was the first time he had putted well in ages and lost on approach, but that was an anomaly for him. If again, this turns into a wedge fest, that's perfect for him. Chris Baker just rates off the charts well, uh, almost every single week. He's 6,300. And again, if it's going to be that style of player, I'm going back to Wes Bryan at 6,300 bucks. The guy makes a ton of birdies. Yeah, no, that, that fits the exact mold of, of what we talked about. And if this is going to get rainy and it's coming to the wedge fest, love Wes Bryan uh, being able to do that. You are always on Jason Duffner, who is now what three out of his last four have been fringe top 30s, which is all you need. In, in this range. Um, I kind of like the second place finish uh, from last week of Tyler McCumber, who was top five in greens and regulation. I think he was 80% greens and regulation while hitting 83% of fairways. So that to me is probably somebody who led in strokes gained ball striking um, for the sense if you can get a feel on that last week. So that with these full full field or full points available for these fields. Like that's a huge weight off his shoulders to get that tour card for the next year. So maybe he's playing a little bit more stress-free at 6,800. He didn't really get a bump. Um, but I feel the best player down here is probably Adam Shank at 6,700. And I have him projected at 17% ownership right now. Okay. That's gross. Yeah. Yeah. I bet that could be off by 10%. Just it's so hard to judge ownership because you don't know who's really playing these contests during the swing season with football going on yeah. and baseball going on and they're being showdown NBA. Everything is kind of happening that, I mean, I mean, we mentioned Davis Riley. He's 6,700 bucks. Just play him, right? 
Oh yeah, absolutely. And Riley should come in again, a great pivot, I guess, to, to shank at, at that elevated ownership. I mean, Riley's upside is, is Zalatoris in that sense, you know? So having a, a $3,000 difference between those two, absolutely love what you get in Riley. Um, Anabon or Lahiri popped up for the first time and felt like forever last week. That was kind of Graham Dillette esque, where he finally uh, what made a cut and then made the top ten. So I, I like Lahiri almost. He's got some crazy upside in what two three years ago. It's been quite some time though. Yeah, Lahiri has made both cuts uh, since coming back over. He was top forty at the Safeway, and then he was top ten at Corrales. Yeah, like the that's the thing. Like when I, we start talking about these guys in the mid sevens, whether it be Sabatini or Poston or Stewart, like there's no difference between these guys. These guys in the sixes may actually have more upside than all those guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I completely agree. And why I think it's very doable to play a Sungjae Zalatoris lineup is. There's, there's not much when you're paying down here. Um, we finally got a week from Hank Lebiota where he played four rounds. I just had um, him pulled up here that the ball striking has been really good and kind of like he's 350 to one to win this event. And he's a lefty, Cody Gribble, yep. lefty. Like maybe this oh. is just a lefty course. There we go. So yeah, what he finished 21st last week. So finally came through um, on that Tita Green game. He had shown a 3M in Wyndham. So I like the number there on on Lebiota and think what last week he had 72% greens and regulation, 75% uh, fairway. So continued that that same game. So I like getting to him at that cheap price. Yeah, Baker is somebody. What's Baker's ownership? Did you mention that? Is it's he coming in high? It, it's below 10. The only guy above 10 that I had projected right now as we speak on a Tuesday morning is Shank. Okay. Okay. Because Baker was coming in decently popular last week due to what has been really good approach numbers um, leading into it. So if he's not going to be popular, I think just like Gordon going back to what we were betting on at a similar style course, um, I'm in on that. Let's see. Thigala came off the top 10, or I guess I, he just missed the top 10 uh, after we spoke last time at the Safeway, but it ran hot with the putter. But he is, again, you know, that Riley mold where elite college players still working on getting, you know, actually for him getting to the Corn Ferry. But I don't mind taking another shot on him after he came in uh, really strong and really low owned at the Safeway. Uh, I used Keith Mitchell in my main lineup last week. He ended up coming 61st, but he was really undone by a quintuple bogey on number eight on Saturday. And like the rest, if you just take that out, he would have been like top 20. Now, obviously you don't take that out because that counts. Although for DraftKings scoring, it wasn't all that bad to make all your bogeys on one hole. It's only like minus one instead of like progressively getting worse down the line. It's better than making four bogeys on four consecutive holes as it pertains to scoring. But like I said, he puts really well on fast greens. He always plays better on Bermuda. He has that length that we talked about. I think he might end up making those builds for me with the... Corey Connors and Dylan Fratelli. Like he seems like a very logical person to put in those. And he was really good on, um, on Sunday. I think that's one of those better rounds as of late um, when he came through and went out early and I think shot like four under um, on Sunday. So I, I don't mind Mitchell in that. What has happened to Aaron wise? Like, have we been able to figure that out? Yeah, you found the Ben Raza hotline. He'll tell you all about Aaron <laughs> Wise, how he's you know, he's this close, <laughs> this close to being Man. a top 10 player in the world. But no, he is in the 6,000s in the Sanderson Farms Championship. Uh, it's it's sad that it's gotten to that because you would have thought, you know, after winning at Trinity Forest that you would have never expected this. But I mean, outside of the Barracuda, he has been bad. Um, 
but trying to fire uh, off over the over the past three months aaron wise does rank sixth in this field from holes 400 to 450 yards which is the primary uh-huh. target on the par fours this week and the only i only mention this name is because of that one stat and generally speaking that's when i go and play this player you wouldn't think that he dominates these sorts of holes because he has so much length off the tee but we haven't seen him in ages well, we have seen him and he wasn't very good um but jb holmes is someone that I can see playing really well this week. He's an even $7,000. He's played four weighted rounds since the COVID break ended. Uh, I, I just think that he's still an elite player as it pertains to this field if he's right. I have no idea if he is right or if he's not, but when we talk about like spike putting weeks, he's a guy who can have a spike putting week. Yeah, and I, I like being early on somebody like that rather than late. I think he popped up Last time we talked at the Safeway for the first time, still gained 3.7 strokes approach in those four rounds to finish 46th. I have no problem being early on him when others probably don't even realize he's back in that sense. So Mm -hmm. I can like that um, there. Who else? Joseph Bramlett popped up in the top five for two rounds last week. Um, But yeah, it's all these guys are so similar. Um, O'Hare finished well last week. I guess he's one of those shorter hitters from that sense. But I, I agree. Just play Wesley Bryan if you think it's going to get to a wedge fast. Yeah, I think you want to correlate your lineups that way and really go through it. So betting wise, when I'm thinking about it, I think I'm just going to bet Siwoo, bet List, bet Stenson, and then go like Riley, J.B. Holmes, Lebiota as like complete bombs and just have that be my week. Very low investment week for me for betting. But all uh, I'm going to do is... Quick show with Feinberg to talk about who we are actually betting this week, but that's my early lean on this. Yeah, I'm in with you on Siwoo 55. I'm in with you on Stenson. I believe there was the 55 out there um, as well that you had mentioned. Um, and then I'm going to bet Gooch. I still think, even though he's coming in popular DraftKings, I think there's some still triple digits that were that were out there as of this morning. So Gooch is one that's a favorite of mine. And then I love that Lebiota and Riley call where we'll probably be more Lebiota like a top 20, but Riley just has unlimited upside that you can get, you know, 150 to one ish. All right. Let's switch over to the Scottish open for a second. Cause that's where the names be playing this week. And I know that you're a Euro tour specialist uh, beyond being a PGA specialist, but like very few people are in as in tune with the European tour as you are. Uh, and you can find a whole bunch of great content over at ftndaily.com uh, to find all scholars work, all access work, all Drew's work as it pertains to the European tour, along with the PGA tour code may get you the discount as well. But like it's Fleetwood, Fitzpatrick, Weisberger, Peters, Wallace, Keimer, Van Royen, Hogard, Westwood, Poulter, Dietrich, back from Putacana. Weird that he played Putacana last week. <laughs> uh, Coetzee, Horsfield, Bezelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelel
but this course when it should show its teeth a little bit more now with the conditions being different. So who would that favor towards the top end, whether you're betting or constructing DK lineups? I mean, we were on him at the U S open. I just love uh, Thomas Peters game right now. I mean, Tita green, he over the last year on the European tour, like he's honestly been as good as Fleetwood has been Tita green. And that's like almost two and a quarter strokes per round Tita green leading in ball striking right there. So I think Peters's game can show well in those type of conditions. Um, if we think about the, uh, like prototypical, like hardcore guys, like Fitzy, when the wind gets up, of course, you know, 10, six, but if I'm going to plant my flag, I'm, I'm not going to go on the, the favorites of, of 10 and 14 to one. Um, I actually like somebody at 40 to one quite a bit. We hadn't, hadn't mentioned yet. Is it Lucas Herbert? He just had a nice U S uh, open. Yes. Really good U S open. And then he came to the Irish open and played after he finished top 40 and at the Irish open, he would have been, I believe second in ball striking stats. Um, so you're getting him at 40 to one has a victory in the wind. Um, not too long ago. I think he gained, let's see, 2.9. So almost three strokes per round ball striking last week at the Irish open. So I like him a lot at 40 to one. I'm just looking at some of these hard course players as we go down. Valamaki has played really well at some of these hard courses. He's at 80 to one. Yep. Uh, beef always tends to play well. Like the tougher the conditions, the better beef ends up playing. He's 55 though. It doesn't seem like a great number on him. You got Willett at 66, whose game just looks <laughs> lost at the moment. There was someone else too. Marcus Klinholt is just someone I like on the European tour. I know he just randomly pops like once every five weeks, but he's a really good iron player. Very, very good iron player. I mean, he won, I think it would have been it wasn't really that much linksy when they played it. Was it the Scottish open in 2018? No, it was the British masters what he won. Um, so he can, th that irons does play well when it obviously gets into the conditions, but his finishes will mix in with top twenties and then just straight missed cuts. I don't mind him. Romain Langoske coming off a, another main cut at the U S open. Um, he actually, it was hilarious. He was partnered with Danny Lee on the day. <laughs> Danny Lee had his six putt and they interviewed him after words and like he was at a loss for words um but he finished 34th he had a third place last year at this course um and then he came off of a win uh he stole that win from valamaki um about four weeks ago so i don't hate him at like a 50 to one to in a decent DraftKings price um when you're not having to pay up for for some of the higher guys uh so if you are going to round out your rosters on DraftKings this week for the scottish open like where are you looking um i think somebody well as, as those who have followed me, I'm in love with our guy, Guido Migliazzi. Um, for those that don't know Guido, he is a young Italian stud who won twice on the European tour last year. He won like what the Corrales would be for the European tour, some weak events, but he has the ball striking game to show up anywhere. He played well at this course last year. I mean, he is at 7,100. Um, you know, long-term gains over a stroke per round ball striking, which is the best um, in the seven Ks for those that have decent sample sizes over there. So I like him. And then I would say also Maverick Ancliffe. So Ancliffe is 6,400. So you can go way down there. He was a late add into the field because he top 10 last week. I think it's back to back um, strong finishes for him, but he's like a 200 to one went ninth and third with some really, really good approach 
numbers, um, uh, an Aussie um, young gun. So I like Maverick and Cliff if you're really dumpster diving there. Yeah, and then you have a whole bunch of other like rando people who it feels like they've popped maybe it's just the strength of this field that's pushing them all down but like i don't know how well dubason's playing probably terrible uh, and he just chooses to show up at the weirdest places uh but like julian surrey used to be a good player what happened to him yeah he he had like a hernia probably like a year and a half ago and he's never recovered in that sense like he hasn't like he was somebody who was 33 28 to 1 high price on the euro events and you could trust him week in and week out then he had surgery missed some time and i don't think i think he has one top 20 finish like he was playing in some really bad fields a couple weeks ago like odds were low on him and he wasn't even finishing top 30. So sadly, I, I think his game is great, but I, I can't trust it around. The one I'm intrigued on is if we're thinking it's going to be very linksy, very windy, somebody who hasn't played well in a while, but you're getting a really good number. It's like Pepperell's still like 150 to one. He's 6,900. You know, he's fallen off the face of the earth a little bit, but when you think of links, he shows up. What about Mark Warren at 225? Like, he is Scottish. He won the first event back. I know he's not a great player by any means, but he's super cheap. Yeah, he's he's somebody, like, I think the week after he won, he literally finished dead last. Yes, he did. Um, <laughs> so I'm I'm not surprised by the, the differences. I mean, that was, you know, a great win. I, I don't think I find myself going to, to him. I would want to be early... I guess he, if you're talking in the 200s, I might want to be early on somebody who also won uh, another link style event, which is Lucas Beergard. If you remember Beergard, you know, he finished top 20 at like three majors in 2019. But after he beat Tiger at the match play, like he, he missed almost like 18, 19 cuts in a row, but he's made his last two cuts showing up on some leaderboards, one at the Alfred Dunhill. Um, so he knows how to play when the, the wind and conditions get up if that ball striking comes back. Like it started to, again, you can be early on guys like him and maybe Eddie, but he's like a one twenty five to one guy here too. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. All right. Scholar Hoke. Thank you for being on the line. FTNDaily.com to find all of your work. What do you got coming up this week? Yeah, we always have a couple videos always come Wednesday morning. So I'll have my Euro DFS preview where we'll go deeper into that. We always do a little uh, tiers preview as well for those that like in, to get into the niche style on the PGA Tour and then started writing an article seven guys under $7,000 where we dumpster dive and, and find some guys that lead us to some glory. So every week you can find that on FTN Daily. All right, I'm Pat May. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and the Facebooks at the PME. Please rate and review the podcast. Smash the like button for the episode and become a member at fantasynational.com today. Fantasynational.com slash Mayo gives you a 20% discount and you have the full access to all of the tools, all of the stats, the most customizable stat engine on the planet. Check it out. There's a lot of good golf coming up that uh, maybe we can win some cash on, all right? Pat Mayo. I'll see you next time. You have no experience. Experience.